Welcome to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk with Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace through practical application. Here is your host, Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Bonjour. Bonjour. I'm so grateful to join with you at this time. It means so much to me to be able to connect. By means of this podcast, yes. Before I say anything more, I'm going to speak a word of blessing and prayer for us. Taking this breath of gratitude, I am grateful. I am truly, truly grateful because I know my life purpose is to be truly helpful and I'm willing to be truly helpful to the very best of my ability in each and every moment. And this is firmly in my awareness and for this I give thanks. We give thanks for the teachings of A Course in Miracles and all the efforts that were made to bring them to us. They are a treasure. They are a treasure that is written in our heart and our reading the pages, having the conversations, practicing the principles, brings it to life, and it is the restoration of our mind. So we partner up with that higher Holy Spirit self And we allow ourselves to be led and guided, taught and held by the knower who knows. We are grateful and thankful to join together and recognize that our divinity is intact, our holiness is intact. We're already as holy as holy can be. And we are grateful that this is true for everyone and we are no longer willing to see lack and limitation in others or in ourselves. We are choosing to see the light of the world in ourselves and others. A new day is dawning in our heart and in our mind. This time of purification, this time of purging, this time of transformation is the one that we have been preparing for, and we are ready. We are willing. We are able. Spirit is awakened alive within us, and for this we give thanks. We share the benefits of our healing, our transformation, and this healing conversation with everyone because we're one with them. In gratitude, we let it be, and so it is. Amen. Amen, amen. Mm. Yes. I do love to pray. I'm getting ready to do an extended prayer training for prayer practitioners and uh, at the Power of Love Ministry. And you can probably join us if you like. Uh, I haven't put the offering up on the web anywhere yet, but it's coming very soon. And prayer is such a powerful tool. As A Course in Miracles tells us, it is the medium of miracles. And we are truly grateful to open ourselves to this inspiration. Yes, 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 yes. So, diving into our topic today, healing hatred, healing the hatred. Uh, Of course, hatred is a thought pattern of the ego's uh, making, and we can label it bad and wrong, but that does not make it so. Hatred is a great teacher. It is a great, great teacher, and I would venture to say that anyone who has ever had a human life experience has experienced hatred, and it has taught them. And some of us dabble in it more in this lifetime or another. But let us not hate the haters. Martin Luther King Jr. was a great teacher to the world about that. And that we can rise above the the patterns of hatred. And... Uh, uh, what what I have been led and guided to for us today is to look at 
uh, section. I don't think I've ever looked at it in this podcast. It's chapter 31, so late in the text, section 5, and it's entitled Self-Concept Versus Self. So it's it's dense. It's dense. But let's break it down because it's super helpful. I was going to say super clear. It's uh, It's helpful. So let's begin. The learning of the world is built upon a concept of the self adjusted to the world's reality. So the learning of the world is built upon a concept of the self, and it's the small s self. So the learning that we have in this world is built around our personality and the concept that we make about ourselves that is not our true self, right? It's actually adjusted to the world's reality. So not reality with a capital R. It's the the one that we've made up. So this is what the learning of the world is built around. Our concept of ourself and our concept of the world and the projections that we have made upon the world. Right? This is what the learning of the world is built upon. And... The learning fits this experience well. For this, an image is that suits a world of shadows and illusion. Here it walks at home, where what it sees is one with. So we're one with what we see, but we don't even know it. We don't even really understand that, but we're still one with what we see all the people that we see. We're one with them, although we don't see them clearly because the learning of the world is built upon our concepts, our perceptions, and projections. Now it says here, the building of a concept of the self is what the learning of the world is for. The building of a concept of the self. So that's what this whole experience is for. It's for building this concept of the self, the personality, living in this construct. And one of the ways that I've come to understand it and make sense of it is that the creator created us, not separate, but part of itself. And... Part of the expressions of creation are to make things, create things, bring things into being, even if it's only a fantasy, even if it's only an illusion, even if it's only a delusion. It's an endless expression that is the infinite nature of the creator to create, right? I I love this name for God as the creator. Though there is a tendency with that name to think that I'm not the creator. The creator is separate from me. I have been created by the creator. But A Course in Miracles beautifully tells us we are part of God and not separate. So we are the created and the creator. And in our human experience in this world, we can conceive of it, witness it, experience it more clearly, right? Because we're creating a concept of ourselves in this world. So, and and also in this world, many people will have children and they'll do things like make homes with gardens and have animals and all kinds of creations around them. They'll make art and painting and businesses and systems and all kinds of things. So each one of us is like the God of our world. We're the creator of our projections and perceptions as well as all of the stuff that we make. But most importantly, 
we are making this concept of ourselves. And this is what the learning of the world is for. As it says here in chapter 31, section 5, this is its purpose. This is the purpose of the world, that you come without a self and make one as you go along. What happens, though, is many of us, lifetime after lifetime, have made a self that we come to hate and despise. Because our spirit feels trapped inside this image, this self-concept. So we've created a sense of separation within ourselves, not just separate from God, but split in our mind. We hate ourselves, and yet we idolize ourselves, both simultaneously. Wackadoo! (laughs) So it says here, The building of a concept of the self is what the learning of the world is for. This is its purpose, that you come without a self and make one as you go along. And by the time you reach maturity, maturity is in quotes, you have perfected it, the concept of self, to meet the world on equal terms at one with its demands, the demands of the world. Right, So by the time we reach maturity, by the time we become adults, we've perfected the sense of self to meet the world on equal terms, at one with its demands. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was in my 20s, this is when I came to spirituality uh, really strongly. It was mid-80s, 1980s. It was... um, just a couple years before the um, harmonic convergence, which I really wasn't aware of at the time. Uh, I heard little things about it, but I wasn't paying attention to it. I was still um, really, I was making this fundamental shift from darkness to light, from being interested in the darkness to being interested in the light. And it was a time when I felt suicidal. It was a time when I felt lost and confused. And what what happened for me was I was beginning to awaken in the realization that the things of this world aren't going to make me happy. And all my striving to have a better body, a better income, a better boyfriend, a better job, a better life, a better everything. None of it was succeeding in making me happy. Even when I got my my wishes, my dreams come true, still didn't make me happy. And so it was beginning to dawn in my awareness that I I didn't know how to be happy in this world. I didn't know how. And that's when I discovered that I had this deep well of self-hatred. That I couldn't be happy in this world with the self-concept that I had. I couldn't be happy or successful in this world with the belief system that I had. It was impossible And so that threw me into tremendous confusion and despair because I thought I knew how to be happy. I thought I knew how to make this world work, and it just wasn't going to happen. It just wasn't going to come to fruition. I could see that there was no way I could pull it off. And transcend all the the limitations I was experiencing and somehow catapult into happiness because no matter what I did, the things of this world couldn't make me happy. So that was my bottom. And I'm so glad for it now, even though at the time I felt like the a zombie, the walking dead, 
because my concept of myself as uh, what I thought success would be, what I thought happiness would be, none of that was working for me. So I couldn't achieve the concept, and even where I could achieve it, it didn't make me happy. So I realized I, I don't know how to do this. And I, up until that point, had thought, oh, I got this. I, I understand that I need to meet these goals, and then I'll be happy. But it didn't work for me. So then I was lost because I didn't have a fallback. And I felt so completely on my own. And i that's when I began to realize, um, actually it was kind of sudden that I realized, oh my God, I hate and despise myself. All this time I thought I was better than everybody else. I actually think I'm worse. Right? So a lot of people have this from the get-go. They feel worse than everybody else. I remember talking with Regina Dawn Akers, and she said um, that in one of the Living a Course in Miracles classes that she thought she was the most, one of the most despicable people in the world, just one of the most horrible people in the world. She really had this great sense of self-disgust and self-hatred. She's such a loser. This was her self-concept that she had built. So she doesn't feel that way anymore. I don't feel that way anymore. So if this is where you are, that you have a self-concept, that you're heinous, disgusting, that you're a loser, that you're hopeless, that you're helpless, all of that can be shifted and changed. It does require concerted effort and work. But it is much easier than you actually can even imagine that it is. And that's what we have found. And we are not the only ones. This is why I I do what I do. This is what the Power of Love Ministry is all about. It's what Masterful Living is all about. It's what Finding Freedom is all about. It's what everything I'm doing is all about. It's helping people to realize that no matter how depressed, how helpless and hopeless they feel, it doesn't have to last. There is a way out. And A Course in Miracles is a 365-day lesson plan to get you out of it. But many people do find that doing the lessons on their own, they don't even realize they've put the ego in charge of the lessons. Right, They put the ego in charge of their spiritual practice. I did that. For sure I did that for many years. So that to me is normal. It's what I see a lot of people do. But when we're working together and working the lessons and these teachings together, uh, we can remember to laugh more easily. We can let go of the judgments and the complaints and the opinions more easily. And it's powerful. It's very powerful. So it says here now in paragraph two, a concept of the self is made by you. It bears no likeness to yourself at all, right? So that's the the false identity that we've made. It is an idol made to take the place of your reality as son of God, right? Who and what is the son of God? The son of God is the Christ, and that's what we are. The concept of the self of the world, excuse me, the concept of the self the world would teach is not the thing that it appears to be. For it is made to serve two purposes, but one of which the mind can recognize. So the concept, the self-concept that the world teaches us to make is not what it appears to be. And it's got two purposes, and there's only one that the mind can recognize. The first presents the face of innocence, the aspect acted on. It is this face that smiles and charms and even seems to love. It searches for companions And it looks at times with pity on the suffering and sometimes offers solace. It believes that it is good within an evil world. 
So I think we can all recognize that that this aspect of our awareness, of our self-concept. Now, it goes on to say, This aspect can grow angry, for the world is wicked and unable to provide the love and shelter innocence deserves. And so this face is often wet with tears at the injustices the world accords to those who would be generous and good. This aspect never makes the first attack. But every day, a hundred little things make small assaults upon its innocence, provoking it to irritation and at last to open insults and abuse. So I'm very familiar with this, right? So this sense that the world is wicked and unable to provide the love and shelter that we need and we deserve, right? Our innocence deserves this love and care. And so we're upset with the world. We're sad. We're hurt. Deep down, we're sad and we're hurt. And then there's this fear that arises that our needs will never be met, that we'll never get back home, that we're stuck here, that nobody will ever really cherish us or understand us. And that there's the fear that maybe we're just bad and wrong and unlovable. And then on top of that arises this anger. And all of this upset is what I call the divine alarm clock that is going off like an alarm bell, reminding us, hey, none of this is real. And that's the real reason we're upset. We're upset not because of what's happening, not even really because of what we think about the world. It's that we are choosing to be enamored of the illusion, buying into the illusion that we have made and blaming it on someone else. So then there are, like it says here, a hundred little things that make assaults upon our innocence. And we find ourselves getting irritable and angry and then insulting and abuse, abusive. It goes on to say, the face of innocence, the concept of the self so proudly wears, can tolerate attack in self-defense. For it is it not a well-known fact the world deals harshly with defenseless innocence? So this is one of the things is that it's acceptable to our self-concept of innocence that we would defend ourselves against an attacking world. Now, one of the most basic concepts in A Course in Miracles is that the reason we attack is because we, uh, rather, the reason we are defending ourselves and seeing attack in the world and getting upset by it is because deep down we would like to have an excuse to attack. We'd like to have an excuse to attack. So we're looking for that excuse. So defending ourselves is the license we give ourselves to attack whomever we'd like. It's self-defense. If you are willing to look deeply into anybody that you feel like you're defending yourself against, even if it's the government, right, the people in the government, you're defending yourself against what you think are their stupidity or whatever their meanness, whatever you might be making of it. It could be in your workplace. It could be in your family. You're def- if you believe you are defending yourself against them, what's really going on in your awareness is you have a desire to attack, that you are justifying your attack by saying you're defending yourself. This is the trick of the ego. And it says here, 
the face of innocence the concept of the self so proudly wears can tolerate attack in self-defense. We can justify it in our mind. This is why A Course Miracles tells us attack is never justified. Anger is never justified. It says here, no one who makes a picture of himself omits the face for he has need of it, this face of innocence. The other side he does not want to see, yet it is here the learning of the world has set its sights, for it is here the world's reality is set. To see to it the idol lasts, right? So this is all a game to make sure the ego stays intact. Well, I am going to uh, have to go to a break here in just a moment. So I would like to say, as I'm going to break, we had such a wonderful time at the Sunday service. Uh, So I'm doing Sunday services online this Sunday. John Mundy is joining me. And you can register at livingacourseofmiracles.com forward slash Sunday or Jennifer Hadley at the events page. I'm Jennifer Hadley, and you are listening to A Course in Miracles on Unity Online Radio. We're living the love, we're walking the talk, and I will be right back. Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. Welcome back. (laughs) Thank you for joining me. I do want to say a little bit more about this Sunday service that I started doing. Lisa Natoli was our speaker last weekend. John will be the speak. John Mundy will be the speaker this coming weekend. We had James Twyman for the mu- music last weekend. We have Renee Stahl for uh, this coming weekend, and she's wonderful. You will not regret listening to her. Very inspiring. And what I would like to say about these Sunday services is, you know, I did Sunday services for years, and it's a wonderful thing to be able to do. It's so enriching, and people were so grateful this past Sunday. Oh my gosh, it was just an outpouring of gratitude for being able to come together on a Sunday and on Zoom, and we can see each other, and it was just magnificent, the the love that was generated. And it's so valuable to us now. And so many people are sheltering at home alone and missing having company and missing being around other people and not being able to go to Sunday services and things like that. So to join together with familiar folks is really wonderful. And so I invite you to come and join us. If you can't join us live, it's at 3 p.m. Eastern, which is noon Pacific, which is 8 p.m. in the UK, 9 p.m. in Germany, and uh, in Australia, I believe it's 5 o'clock in the morning, but we had people coming from Australia. So wonderful. So All are welcome. There's no charge for it. We'll send you the information if you register. Because we are using Zoom, you do have to register. Although we are live streaming at Facebook on the A Course in Miracles podcast page. So if you become a fan of the A Course in Miracles podcast page, then you will get notification when we are live streaming there. And so uh, I did live stream it also to my personal profile and other places. So you can find it there. We're also beginning to live stream prayers this week. Uh, we're making doing live prayer sessions on Zoom. And if you tune into the prayer for today page at Facebook, my prayer for today page, when live streaming is happening there, you will get notification and um We're doing it 
what are we doing it? We're doing it eight times a day. So Eastern time, 6 a.m., 9 a.m., 12 p.m., 3 p.m., 6 p.m., 9 p.m., and midnight. So, um, yeah, come and join us at 3 a.m., just all around the clock every three hours, and sometimes more. So we're live streaming those uh, starting this week at the Prayer for Today page on Facebook. So just letting you know other ways you can join together, and... um, I'm sure if you would like to be a part of the Zoom live um, joining in in prayer, that uh, we c- you can write to admin at jenniferhadley.com and we'll put you on the, an email list or something. But we just can't publish the Zoom links at Facebook. Sorry, um, people are um, crashing things. So, um, and it's a security issue, so just want to keep everybody safe in terms of not having somebody crash and then show pictures and things that we don't want to see. That's, that's already happened. Not not to Power of Love Ministry, but to other ministries where, you know, stuff happens. So all are welcome. We're calling it Sundays with Spirit. So back to our lesson here on healing hatred. And so we're, we're talking about this self-concept that we have made. And it says here, beneath the face of innocence, there is a lesson that the concept of the self was made to teach. Right? So the concept of the self was made to teach something. And it says, it is a lesson in a terrible displacement and a fear so devastating that the face that smiles above it must forever look away, lest it perceive the treachery it hides. The lesson teaches this, I am the thing you made of me, and as you look on me, you stand condemned because of what I am. On this conception of the self, The world smiles with approval, for it guarantees the pathways of the world are safely kept, and those who walk on them will not escape. All right, so just breaking this down quickly so we can get to the the hatred part more clearly. Um, So we've, we've created this mask of innocence, this face of innocence that's not our true innocence, right? It's the one that we feel is being attacked and we must defend ourselves. And so that's our justification for attack. This world is so much about attack and punishment, right? So this false face of innocence hides a deeper level of treachery. And it's that deeper level of treachery, the the Defending ourselves to justify our desire to attack. This is the deeper level of treachery part of it. And this treachery, this justifying of our attack, always needing to defend ourselves, what it is, is the foundation of this unconscious guilt, right? So the guilt keeps us forever repeating, not forever, I'm going to take that back, seemingly forever repeating uh, these machinations of the ego lifetime after lifetime after lifetime. So one of the most helpful things we can do is recognize whenever we feel like we're defending ourselves or justifying our choices, right? That's when we're getting ready to attack or we're already attacking when we're defending ourselves. We're believing we've been attacked. But what's really going on is we're looking to justify our attack. Now, it says here, Here is the central lesson that ensures your brother is condemned eternally, 
right? So then we're constantly attacking our brothers because we are defending ourselves. But it's all something we've made up. It says, for what you are has now become his sin. So we're blaming other people. It's their sin that we have to defend ourselves. Because they are attacking us, we now must defend ourselves. And that means we're attacking. And we're looking to justify it. So this turns us into a hateful creature. And it's all our brother's fault. Because all we were doing was defending ourselves. We were defending ourselves. That's why we had to kill them. That's why we had to hurt them. That's why we had to smear them. That's why we had to uh, develop this disgust of them and taking offense all the time. All of this um, hatred that we're developing, that we're projecting out onto the other people because we're defending ourselves against their attack. All of it is a subterfuge. What's really going on, Jesus is telling us, is we're looking for justification for our attack. We're attacking our brothers and sisters. We're attacking the world. Think and claiming that we're just defending ourselves. And this condemns our brothers and sisters eternally in our mind. And for this, deep down, we feel so, so guilty. So, so guilty. Because we're justifying our attacks by blaming it. You made me do it. I have a friend whose father killed her mother and then killed himself. And right, be- and he killed her mother right in front of her. And... um. She was on this broadcast, Rhonda Britton, uh, years ago, and she told that story. And her father, just before he shot her mother in front of her, said to her, Mother, you made me do this. You made me do this. That's exactly what Jesus is talking about here, that we are defending ourselves so we think and it's the justification for our attack Rhonda's father was not made to kill her mother by her mother but that was his ego interpretation he couldn't stand his thoughts about her and so in his ego identification he came to believe that She made him do it because he couldn't stand it. It was her fault, right? So look for all the ways that you feel even slightly irritated and it's somebody else's fault. Look for all the ways that you feel angry or hurt or sad or mad or bad and it's somebody else's fault, If you can have the strength of heart and the strength of mind to look at those, make a list of them. You don't have to relive them. That's not helpful. You can just make a list of them, look at them and say, this is all ego insanity. I am innocent and so are my brothers and sisters. And that's what I'm interested in. I'm only subject to what I hold in my mind, and I will not hold these thoughts of attack in my mind anymore. Holy Spirit, take them out of my mind so I never think them again. You see, we hate ourselves because of all the subterfuge that deep down, of course, we know in our awareness that all of our attack thoughts we're justifying and blaming on our brothers and sisters that they made us do it. 
And we hate ourselves for all of it. Because we know we're choosing to do it. And we could choose to go the other way. We could choose love, but we're not willing. Because we've grown enamored of all the justifications. We've grown enamored of all the opinions and judgments that we've made. We've grown enamored of the identity that we've made. And we're protecting it even as we hate it. Right? It's like we think of spirit is always giving us things in the world that show us what's really going on. Why else would things like Dracula and Frankenstein have emerged out of our collective consciousness? So Frankenstein, right? The Frankenstein monster that Dr. Frankenstein or Frankenstein made, um, uh, that monster then becomes so destructive, right? But why is the, the, the monster become destructive? The monster is, in its sense, innocent, right? This innocent creature. And Dr. Frank, Frankenstein loves the creature that he made because he made it, even though it's hideous. And even though it's pure ego, it's really pure ego it, in so many ways. It's, it's ego, right? And so it's because it's reacting violently and it's fearful, right? But it also has an innocence to it because it just wants to be loved and nurtured and held and cared for that's all it really wants and when it's angry and destructive it's a reaction so this is all of us all of us are like Frankenstein who've made a monster that we keep poking and frightening and terrifying and the monster reacts to that, and then we blame the monster for being hideous, and we want to kill the monster, we hate the monster, we fear the monster. All the while, also, as the creator of the monster, we we love it, right? So this is all defend and attack, defend and attack. It's ego insanity. So... In this paragraph 6 now, chapter 31, section 5, paragraph 6. Here is the central lesson that ensures your brother is condemned eternally for what you are has now become his sin. We blame it on others. We blame it on our parents. We blame it on society. We blame, blame, blame. For this is no forgiveness possible. There's no possible forgiveness for this cycle, so the ego thinks. No longer does it matter what your brother does, for your accusing finger points to him unwavering and deadly in its aim. There's no forgiveness for our brother who has done this to us, robbed us of our innocence, made us so horribly angry and hurtful, Right? It's our brother's fault. So there's no forgiveness. And it doesn't matter what he does anymore because it's all his fault. So the accusing finger points to him unwavering and deadly in its aim. It points to you as well. But this is kept still deeper in the mists below the face of innocence. And in this, these shrouded vaults, are all his sins and yours preserved and kept in darkness, where they cannot be perceived as errors, which the light would surely show. You can be neither blamed for what you are, nor can you change the things it makes you do. So like Frank Frankenstein's monster can't be blamed for what it does, right? Nor can it change the things it's made to do, right? So it seems. 
Your brother then is the symbol of your sins to you who are but silently and yet with ceaseless urgency condemning still your brother for the hated thing you are. So we blame our hated self, our own internal Frankenstein monster, on our brother. You made me do it. You did this to me. Now it goes on. Concepts are learned. They are not natural. Apart from learning, they do not exist. So important to understand that concepts are impermanent. Concepts can dissolve in the light, right? Projections can dissolve in the light. Falsehoods can dissolve in the light of truth. Apart from learning, they do not exist. They are not given, so they must be made. Right? So we made the concepts. My teacher, Venerable Dahani Oahu, she says, all con- at the end of a teaching, she'll say, all concepts dissolve into light. Not one of them is true, and many come from feverish imaginations, hot with hatred and distortions born of fear. What is a concept but a thought to which its maker gives a meaning of its own? Concepts maintain the world, but they cannot be used to demonstrate the world is real. For all of them are made within the world, born in its shadow, growing in its ways, and finally quote-unquote, maturing in its thought. They are ideas of idols, painted with the brushes of the world, which cannot make a single picture representing truth. A concept of the self is meaningless, right? So it's meaningless. Meaning comes from our true reality. So... Love is meaningful. Truth is meaningful. But concepts are meaningless. For no one here can see what it is for and therefore cannot picture what it is. Now, my sense here, Jesus is, when he says no one here, I I sense that he means no one in our true reality can see what it is for and therefore cannot picture what it is whatever the concept of self is. He says, Yet is all learning that the world directs begun and ended with the single aim of teaching you this concept of yourself that you will choose to follow this world's laws and never seek to go beyond its roads nor realize the way you see yourself. Now must the Holy Spirit find a way to help you see this concept of the self must be undone if any peace of mind is to be given you nor can it be unlearned except by lessons aimed to teach that you are something else for otherwise you would be asked to make exchange of what you now believe for total loss of self and greater terror would arise in you so we don't have to give up our self-concept What we have to do is realize what our true self is and our true reality is. That is the way to wake up in the dream, is to realize that we're dreaming. Not to just shatter the dream, but to recognize, oh, I'm dreaming. This is a self-concept. But remember... Frankenstein doesn't want to uh, kill the monster, right? Or end the monster because Dr. Frankenstein made it. He made the monster. So therefore, he loves his the thing he made. And that's what we do. We love our self-concept because we made it. And so, to me, the fastest path to healing, to awakening to restoration, and to a revelation of truth is to say, Holy Spirit, show me the way. 
Show me the way to remember my wholeness and my holiness. I am perfect and I am willing to remember that this is so. I'm going to give you all the false concepts about myself, all the self-hatred, all the self-judgment, all of it. I'm going to give you all of it. And I'm asking you to dissolve it and resolve it permanently back to its root cause. So to help this process, I'm only going to hold in my mind that which is true, which is I am lovable and I am loving. And the more loving we are without needing anything in return, so no conditions, love without conditions, the more we can practice love without conditions and giving and generosity and kindness, the more quickly we will dissolve the self-hatred and the false concept of self. Whew, there you go. Yes. <laughs> so we hate ourselves for hating our brothers and sisters. We hate ourselves for having made this false idol, which is our own self-concept. We hate ourselves for imprisoning ourselves in this mind, within this self-concept. And we hate ourselves for blaming our brothers and sisters for having done it to us. Whether it's our parents, our culture, our society, all the different ways that we project the self-hatred onto the world. So, and the answer is to realize that none of it is real. None of it is permanent. It's just a learning device that we're using in this world, and we can let it go by giving it to the Holy Spirit. Our willingness is all that's required. Cultivating that willingness is the most important thing for us. It's one of the reasons why we restarted the ACIM text messages. You can sign up at acimtexts.com, and that supports us remembering to be willing also, if you'd like to make a recurring monthly donation to support this ministry and this podcast, if you value this podcast, please support it. Let's take that breath of love and gratitude and be so grateful and thankful for the infinite intelligence guiding us in every moment. We share the benefits with everyone, and so it is. Amen, amen, amen. Have a great rest of your week. I love you. Mwah.